Get it together, folks. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Yep, I got the computer woes from yesterday sorted out. Two of the apps I use in my normal workflow updated yesterday, and it seems that both of them messed up some of the permissions here on my Mac. But that's all behind us, so let's get on with the show. Our reading today is 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, and I'm calling the episode Too Smart by Half. After my comments on today's reading, we'll of course learn what happened on this date in church history, and then at the end of the show, I'll share a song with you. No, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Let's get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Greetings from Paul. I was chosen to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. God chose me because that is what he wanted. Greetings also from Sosthenes, our brother in Christ. To God's church in Corinth, you who have been made holy because you belong to Christ Jesus. You were chosen to be God's holy people, together with all people everywhere who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace that He has given you through Christ Jesus. In Him you have been blessed in every way. You have been blessed in all your speaking and all your knowledge. This proves that what we told you about Christ is true. Now you have every gift from God while you wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to come again. He will keep you strong until the end so that on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes, you will be free from all blame. God is faithful. He is the one who has chosen you to share life with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg all of you to agree with each other. You should not be divided into different groups. Be completely joined together again with the same kind of thinking and the same purpose. My brothers and sisters, some members of Chloe's family told me that there are arguments among you. This is what I mean. One of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Peter, and someone else says, I follow Christ. Christ cannot be divided into different groups. It wasn't Paul who died on the cross for you, was it? Were you baptized in Paul's name? I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. I'm thankful because now no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I also baptized the family of Stephanus, but I don't remember that I myself baptized any others. Christ did not give me the work of baptizing people. He gave me the work of telling the good news. But he sent me to tell the good news without using clever speech, which would take away the power that is in the cross of Christ. The teaching about the cross seems foolish to those who are lost, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will confuse the understanding of the intelligent. So what does this say about the philosopher, the law expert, or anyone in this world who is skilled in making clever arguments? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. This is what God in His wisdom decided. Since the world did not find Him through its own wisdom, He used the message that sounds foolish to save those who believe it. The Jews ask for miraculous signs, 
and the Greeks want wisdom. But this is the message we will tell everyone. Christ was killed on a cross. This message is a problem for Jews, and to other people it is nonsense. But Christ is God's power and wisdom to the people God has chosen, both Jews and Greeks. Even the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Even the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, God chose you to be His. Think about that. Not many of you were wise in the way the world judges wisdom. Not many of you had great influence. And not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose what the world thinks is not important, what the world hates and thinks is nothing. He chose these to destroy what the world thinks is important. God did this so that no one can stand before Him and boast about anything. It is God who has made you part of Christ Jesus. And Christ has become for us wisdom from God. He is the reason we are right with God and pure enough to be in His presence. Christ is the one who set us free from sin. So, as the scriptures say, whoever boasts should boast only about the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Dear brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I told you the secret truth of God. But I did not use fancy words or great wisdom. I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. When I came to you, I was weak and shook with fear. My teaching and my speaking were not with wise words that persuade people, but the proof of my teaching was the power that the Spirit gives. I did this so that your faith would be in God's power, not in human wisdom. We teach wisdom to people who are mature, but the wisdom we teach is not from this world. It is not the wisdom of the rulers of this world who are losing their power. But we speak God's secret wisdom that has been hidden from everyone until now. God planned this wisdom for our glory. He planned it before the world began. None of the rulers of this world understood this wisdom. If they had understood it, they would not have killed our great and glorious Lord on a cross. But as the scriptures say, no one has ever seen, no one has ever heard, no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has shown us these things through the Spirit. The Spirit knows all things. The Spirit even knows the deep secrets of God. It is like this. No one knows the thoughts that another person has. Only the person's spirit that lives inside knows those thoughts. It is the same with God. No one knows God's thoughts except God's Spirit. We received the Spirit that is from God, not the Spirit of the world. We received God's Spirit so that we can know all that God has given us. When we say this, we don't use words taught to us by human wisdom. We use words taught to us by the Spirit. We use the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. People who do not have God's Spirit do not accept the things that come from His Spirit. They think these things are foolish. They cannot understand them, because they can only be understood with the Spirit's help. We who have the Spirit are able to make judgments about all these things. But anyone without the Spirit is not able to make proper judgments about us. As the Scriptures say, Who can know what is on the Lord's mind? who is able to give him advice. But we have been given Christ's way of thinking. Today I've got comments on both chapters 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians is actually the Apostle Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. 
We know that because in 1 Corinthians 5.9, Paul mentions his previous letter. This letter's been lost. But in chapter 1, he opens by identifying himself, and he declares that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. We haven't talked about what an apostle is yet on this season of the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, so let me do that for just a moment. Paul talks about what an apostle is in 1 Corinthians 15, but let me quickly give you the meaning. The Greek word apostolos means a special ambassador. What is an ambassador? Well, according to Merriam-Webster, it is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. The eleven disciples, remember Judas was out of the picture at this point, the eleven became apostles when Jesus gave them the Great Commission, which was, of course, go and make followers of all people in the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've told you to do. And he gave them this commission just before he ascended to heaven. So he was basically telling them to be his ambassadors. Well, Paul's apostleship does not come from the fact that he was one of the eleven, because he wasn't. It comes from the fact that Jesus spoke to him after his death and resurrection and after his ascension while Paul was traveling to Damascus. We read about that in Acts 9. And if you're not familiar with this part of the history of the church, we won't get to Acts 9 until July of next year, so you might want to go read it now. So Paul is saying that God called him to be an apostle. Here at the beginning of chapter 1, he is establishing his credentials, or his authority, because he has some important spiritual matters to take up with him. Now, after his introduction and giving thanks to God for those in the Corinthian church, we learn that even in the very early church, some division had already crept in, which confirms once again the verse from Ecclesiastes 1.9, which says, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Beloved, as a race, people don't really change. Even today, divisions happen within churches. Factions form. Disagreements happen. Preferences clash. Listen, people are people. These unfortunate things happen in any organization that has more than one person in it, don't they? <laughs> my goodness, even in my own one-man business, I have disagreements with the boss. Me. There are many reasons that divisions and disagreements aren't good, but the main reason that Paul points out is that the central idea of the church gets lost. Paul says, By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg all of you to agree with each other. You should not be divided into different groups. Be completely joined together with the same kind of thinking and the same purpose. He says it in a nice way, but in essence, he gets out the big stick when he says, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as if the Lord, which means, by the way, the big boss or the master, is himself telling them this. And Paul says, get it together, folks. Focus on the main thing. What is the main thing? He tells us this in verse 23. But this is the message we tell everyone. Christ was killed on a cross. Now, the full meaning of that phrase is that Jesus purchased their salvation by shedding his blood for them. It's the message of salvation, and that should be our only focus. We should not be separated by the kind of music we sing, the kind of clothes we wear, whether someone has tattoos or, dare I say it, one's vaccination status, or anything else. 
When we focus on those things, people who don't yet know Jesus see nothing different about us than any other organization. Except perhaps it's even worse when they see division in the church, since they know that we're supposed to represent a loving God. They say, what a bunch of hypocrites, or why should I join them? I can fight at work or at home or on social media. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now let's move on to chapter 2. Corinth was in Greece, and at that time the people of Greece honored intellectual pursuit above all else. They thought that man could answer or reason the mysteries of the world. And so, when Paul opens chapter 2 by saying that when he first came to them with a simple message of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, he was saying, I didn't present the message in a way that you're used to, with big words and complicated reasoning. Paul wanted the message to be simple, so that the power of God would be the object of their faith, not Paul's skills of oratory or reasoning. And he told them that even the simple message of the gospel could not be understood by even the smartest individuals unless the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. And this is something that we need to keep in mind even today. When I hear of debates between atheists and Christians, I have to admit that I'm somewhat amused. Why? Well, because it's a lesson in futility. The idea that an intellectual debate will persuade anyone to change their mind about who Jesus is is just ludicrous. The only way a man or woman realizes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was born to a virgin, lived a completely sinless life, was put to death on a Roman cross for my sin and yours, was laid in a tomb, came back to life on the third day and now sits at the right hand of God the Father, and will one day come back to planet Earth to reign as King for a thousand years, and then create a new heaven and a new earth where believers will reign with Him for eternity? The only way anyone comes to that belief is if the Holy Spirit breathes spiritual life into him or her and gives them the faith to believe it. All the arguments in the world can't do that. Expecting someone who has not experienced that spiritual quickening to understand or embrace that is the same thing as expecting the family dog who brings the newspaper in to understand what's written in that paper. It just isn't going to happen. One of the things we hear often today is, it's science. Believe the science. Science proved this. Science proves that. Yeah, wonderful. In its proper place, science is great. I've got a scientific background. I've got a degree in biology. I know the scientific method. And that piece of paper that proves my scientific study is worthless in the eyes of God. It wasn't science that brought me to the cross of Christ. It was the grace of God. It was the realization, deep in my heart, that I needed God to forgive me of my sins. Now, beloved, I'm not saying that we should not engage people in conversations about why we believe what we believe. But I am saying that unless God reveals His truth to the heart of the listener, you can talk until you have no more words and they'll still not believe. Any conversation like that has to be done with a lot of prayer. Paul said in verse 3 of chapter 2, when I came to you, I was weak and shook with fear. We have to come to these kinds of conversation with humility, not with arrogance. Ask God to go before you and prepare the heart of the one you'll be speaking to and prepare your heart with love. And sometimes that isn't easy, but that's a topic for another time. Just know that it is possible when you see your opponent through the eyes of Jesus. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? Do you have questions? 
You can comment at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or on the show notes page for this episode. Let me hear from you. Tomorrow we're going to read Genesis 32 through 35. We'll get back to what happened in the life of Jacob. Boost! On this date in church history, October 31st, 1517, German reformer Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Palace Church. His action symbolically touched off what would grow to become the Protestant Reformation, and by 1522, Protestant public worship was being celebrated in Wittenberg for the first time. On this date in church history, 1896, African-American singer and actress Ethel Waters was born. She was active in Billy Graham's evangelistic crusades during the 1950s and was known for singing the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. On my show, Lifespring Hymn Stories, Episode 49, I talked about how this beautiful song came to be written. I'll have a link on the show notes page if you'd like to listen to it, or you can just search for His Eyes on the Sparrow in the search box at the bottom of any of the pages at lifespringmedia.com. And I'm also going to play the song for you at the end of today's show, performed a cappella by Natalie Nicole Gilbert with her permission. Why should you participate in the value for value model that I talk about on the show? Well, if you think this podcast is worthwhile, and you must since your time is valuable and you're spending some of it listening to the show, your donation of time, talent, or treasure means that I can keep producing this show for you. If you donate some of your treasure, it means I can pay a bill. It means I can invest the time to study the scriptures so that the thoughts I bring to you are somewhat cogent. Investing time, talent, or treasure is a way for you to encourage me to keep on keeping on. It tells me that you think that what I'm doing here is worthwhile, and it helps me to share the good news of a risen Savior. In other words, your donation has a great deal of value to me. All I ask is that you give in proportion to the value you receive from the show. For more information on that, go to support.lifespringmedia.com. Thanks, and God bless you. I always like to find out how you found the show. Did a friend tell you? Did you hear about the show on another podcast from a social media post? Let me know. Email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com and use the subject line, here's where I found you. Well, we got no prayer request for today, but let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with those who will be observing Halloween today and tonight. We pray that you would be present in a powerful way in the lives of many, many people. Show them the reality of who you are. Keep the children safe as they go trick-or-treating. Give wisdom to the ones who will be with them. Make drivers especially aware of little ones who are thinking about candy and costumes instead of their surroundings. I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of influences and images of the enemy, that people will come to know you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I really do love to pray for you. Send your prayer requests in at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. I'll pray for you in my daily private prayer time and on the show. Prayer.lifespringmedia.com Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or on the show notes page for this episode. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. I'm Steve Webb. 
Next is His Eyes on the Sparrow, sung by Natalie Nicole Gilbert. See you next time. Bye. Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven, my home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching over me. So I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free. And I know he's watching over me. So let not your heart be troubled. His tender words are here and resting on his goodness. I lose. All my doubts and all of my fears For by His grace He leads me But still one step I may see God's eye is on the sparrow And I know He's watching over me. So I sing because I'm happy. And I sing because I'm free. God's eyes on the sparrow. And I know he's watching over me. His eyes on the sparrow. And I know he.